Rob from League of Dares. I'm sitting with Dougal Sharp from Innocent Gun from Edinburgh. And we're going to have a quick chat today about Dougal's background, Innocent Gun, and interesting things in the beer world. All right, Dougal, so before we got started, um, I was speaking about only a few days ago did I find out that the perfectly crafted Innocent Gun story is actually completely true. So would you mind validating that fact now that you're here with me about how Innocent Gun was founded and maybe just taking us through your brief version of the story? I know I know what you mean. It's, it does sound like marketing bullshit, but yeah. it's true. <laughs> the most um, perfectly constructed story I've <laughs> yeah, ever heard. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it was, uh, I was working in my, my old family company, uh, a brewery in Edinburgh, I'd run the production department there um, for nearly 10 years when a big international spirit company called William Grant's got in touch to say, we want to make ale-finished whiskey. Um, and so in order to do that, we brewed them a special beer and we sent it to them and they filled it into barrels in the distillery, into bourbon barrels, which is okay. what they use most to make whiskey in Scotland. Um, and what happened was the beer seasoned the barrels with the in, uh, inside the barrels with flavour. Yeah. Um, and then after the beer had done that, they chucked the beer out and they filled the barrels with whiskey um, to absorb this flavour. And, you know, luckily enough, the process worked. So they had a way of making this fantastic whiskey. And okay. um, I got a call. For, and of course, sorry, and, and, the, and the, the beer was a byproduct. It was just being chucked away. But yeah. of course, in Scotland, you know... Uh, we do like a drink, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, so the guys that most people don't see beer as a byproduct. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was a strange irony in a way. Yeah. But, uh, but so the guys that were chucking the beer away actually went, "Hang on a minute, what does this taste like?" So they tasted it and they realised that it actually tasted phenomenally good. Okay. Uh, it had been transformed by its time in the oak, and especially uh, with the palate that a lot of Scottish people have for that oak flavours from, oh, yeah. from old Scotch. Oh no, massively. So I mean, I got a well, so I. Uh, I got a call from the distillery manager and he says, you're not going to believe what's happening here. These distillery guys, they're emptying these casks, they're bringing in watering cans, buckets, empty bottles, and they're taking this beer home to drink at the weekends. Oh, wow. And so he was saying that it tastes amazing. So I got, him across, I got a barrel across to Edinburgh and we stuck it on our taste panel in the brewery and everyone gave it nine out of nine. Oh, wow. And, and I, can, I can still remember tasting it for the first time, absolutely blown away by it. It was phenomenal. Beautiful so, mistake, eh? Oh, I mean, so lucky. <laughs> um, and so uh, I just thought, right, that's it. This is what I'm going to do. Um, really? For the next part of my life. So left my job, started Innocent Gun. We actually did it as a joint venture with the, with the Spirits Company, and then I bought them out in 2008. So we've been, we've been going since 2003. That's when we launched the beer. Oh, and the wow. middle names, by the way, another marketing bullshit myth. It's, not, it's, it's actually the middle names, Innocent Gun, it's the middle names of me and my brother. Oh, wow. um, okay. so on the gun. That, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I thought, no, that yeah. also. <laughs> Although, can it be? Neil quite often asks, he says, Can I have my brother Neil? He says, Can I have royalties? And then I just say, No, it's a different in us. <laughs> <laughs> it's coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, because the name is really cool. I, I remember when um, Rowan, the local agent, uh, brought it to you on. My wife heard him on a podcast on yeah. the, the, the Cliff Central show. And my wife also spoke to me about this innocent gun or innocent gun or something but it sounded really cool and said we need to get it for league of beers and then i started researching it and maybe a week later ron like popped me a mail and pitched up on our doorstep so that's, that's kind of our intro to it it's just the way life goes sometimes isn't it you know but you, it's a cool name it's, oh yeah you know? cool you know, i mean the funny thing is we did a lot of research all you know all around the uk before we launched it and um people were absolutely convinced they'd heard of it before i think it had a sort of familiarity a, a sort of um, an implied quality about it, which was fine because yeah. obviously the beer that we were making um, 
was of very high quality. Actually, the biggest challenge in, in bringing the stuff to market wasn't the brewing of it because, you know, I've been brewing at that point, been brewing for 15 years. So, um, you know, I was already sort of able yeah. to do that side of it. It was actually coming up with the right branding and getting it to look and feel right because... Yes. You know, a lot of the time when you do product development, you start with an idea and then you bring, you, you, you know, the, almost the end point is yeah, a product yeah. that that, that you develop the product to yeah. go with whatever the brand is. But whereas with this, you know, we started out, we had this phenomenal beer, and we thought, how are we going to make something which lives up to the quality of this beer? Yeah, yeah. In terms of the packaging and the branding and stuff. So I mean, it actually took us twelve months okay, well. of, of hard work to get to that sort of um, the design, execution, the packaging, and all that stuff. So. And you guys used Stranger and Stranger, didn't you? Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing you on their website too, and yeah, clearly they know what they're doing with a brand point of view. Yeah, no, I mean they're very, very talented designers. Yeah, um, I can. You can always tell a stranger and stranger. Uh, you can, yeah, package, yeah. You know. Although uh, yours almost looks like one of the, what's the word, one of the more straightforward, classiest executions I've seen from them. Yeah, because some of their stuff almost has got quite a like a morbid aggressiveness to it. They c- yeah, they can go a bit dark. I don't yeah, know if yeah, dark. That's a better yeah. way to put it. Yeah. If you've ever seen they, a couple of years ago, they did a phenomenal book. Um, called the Book of Stranger, and it was all their oh, sort okay. of designs. But actually, the front cover of this thing, you know, it just looked dark and sort of frightening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> actually, even the website itself, <laughs> like it pulls it all together in quite a dark yeah. way. You know, inside, <laughs> it's fantastic. I mean, yeah, it's some incredible stuff. But yeah, I know what you mean. I don't know if Kevin, the, the the guy that runs or owns it and runs it. I don't know if maybe in, deep in his head there's some sort of dark malevolent sort of spirit going on. But. Some, some dark driver behind this creative spark. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so you yourself, um, I want to jump back onto the branding in a second, but so you yourself, from what I understand of your history, you've got a, a foodie background and a brewer's kind of background? No, so I mean, kind of, yeah. I mean, I, I suppose the first thing to say is actually this year is my 30th year in brewing. I've actually been in the oh. beer industry for 30 years, and you might be saying, now, holy shit, how can you look this good? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> do, do you drink an innocent gun a day by any yeah, chance? See, that's my secret. <laughs> no, I started when I was 14. Um, oh. Dad, dad you were working for your dad, weren't you? Yeah, that's right. So dad bought a brewery in Edinburgh, and it, this, this brewery had been brewing for an, the English market, actually. It had no local business at all. And so when, um, when, they, when he bought the brewery out, they had, they had no business at all. So they were skint, and I was sort of available at a pound an hour, so, <laughs> so, which is very, very cheap, even in those days. Um, so I got wheeled in, and I started doing all the sort of jobs that nobody else wanted to do, okay. um, partly as a sort of punishment for being the boss's son. Um, <laughs> but, um, but that was okay. So I mean, I, and I just worked right throughout school and university and all my holidays and stuff. And, uh, you know, I did everything. You know, I've done every job that you can do in a brewery from opening up casks right through to, you know, going out in the lorries and standing in the brew house and all of that stuff. And funnily enough, never really thought it was a career for me. Um, okay. I don't know if I was just too stupid or if I had ideas above my station or what, but, you know, even even up until when I graduated from uni, I never thought, oh, I'm going to go into the brewing industry. Oh. And, um, and, it, and actually the brewery burnt down the day I got my graduation results and stuff <laughs> like that. So um, it was actually a bit of a sort of coincidence. Dad phoned me up and he said, look, can you come in and help me? Uh, I need you to help rebuild this brewery but of course by then I'd actually worked there for seven years Yeah. so I had all this experience and I knew the site and I knew the people and stuff so that was my first job in the industry it was actually to rebuild a Victorian brewery in the centre of Edinburgh oh, wow. which is really good fun um, and a great learning curve Yeah. about six months in dad said to me look 
you know, why don't you get involved in the brewing process and sort of start to take over recipe control and all of that stuff. So I hit the books and, and started to learn and, and became really deeply fascinated by the science and the art of brewing. And I did yes. a pupillage and, you know, learned and learned as much as I could. And, and you know, I just, I just totally got a passion for it. Because you've got a lot of the theoretical background to brewing, but when you were at university the first time, what were you studying then? Oh, I did chemistry. Okay, that, chemistry. Yeah. So I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, that, that ties up very well. I mean, it sort of helps. I mean, you know, chemistry teaches you thought discipline. I don't, you know, it, it's not really a great mantra for life. I've been, I've, you know, doing chemistry. We used to joke at university. What does a chemist use for contraceptive? His personality. But, uh, <laughs> But but um, but the other so so I mean I had all the sort of scientific bits and the sort of th- um, and the experience in brewing. But the other thing I was always interested in from a very early age was uh, cooking and food and, and flavour. Because yes, my, I read an article about you and your gran yeah. making food together. Yeah, no. So, so she was a school dinner lady in the war. Okay. Uh, in in World War Two, and obviously you know. It's, uh, food ingredients very scarce um, and so she became phenomenally good at making lots and lots of stuff lots of lots of food and with lots of flavor from nothing okay. um, and I, I remember like one of my favorite dishes that she cooked when I was a kid had three ingredients you know okay. <laughs> and very little of it of yes. each you know and, and I just I was always sort of amazed by what she could do and with so little yes and I, it's something that I've taken on into my whole sort of brewing ethos kind of and more approach and big on less is more because oh, wow. um, I think you know I often find um, even with some of the bigger better name you know beers around the world there's just so much going on it actually makes it quite hard to decode what yes. the flavour is and what is the flavour that you latch onto that you like and yes um, and it's not to say that I like you know one dimensional beers because I don't and I don't make one dimensional beers but I, I just think good ingredients and simplicity yes. is, is, is a way to for us uh, to help the sort of individual flavour shine better. Yes. So I, I think that's kind of the, the genesis of, of sort of where we've got to and, and the business and the, and the type of beers that we make. Yes, I can see that clearly in the beers that you do. I mean, we've, we've promoted, well, we, we've stocked a couple of your beers in our mixed cases and our campaigns, and you see the kind of feedback you get from a lot of our fans. And you can see there's a, a definitely a, sim- a similarity in what they're picking up. So there's... There's always a comp- I mean, the innocent gun beers are very complex, but at the same time, there is a simplicity that you can see. You almost know from that type, let's call it the, the wheat beer or the, the bourbon dark, you almost know what you're going to get because the main flavor is, is, is dominant and it's coming really through. It's almost what you're expecting to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. So I've definitely noticed that. And like a lot of the comments we get from the different fans when they post them on social media, there's a similar thread to what they're picking up on. Yeah, I mean, white oak wheat beer, was a, you've just mentioned there, I mean, was a really good example of that where... Where you know we we actually wanted to brew a Kristall Weizen, so it's a sort of German style okay, yeah. beer that you filter. Um, yeah. And and we we know that there are certain characteristics that people look for in wheat beer and sort of orangey, spicy, sort of fruity notes. Yes. Were were one of those or some of those? So we ended up um, we to brew it. We we got three thousand kilograms of bergamot oranges. So bergamot is the flavour of Earl Grey tea. Um, okay. And the only place you can get these bergamot oranges is actually the Twinings Tea Company because they really? buy all the bergamots <laughs> in the world. Right? That's amazing. So, <laughs> so we bought these things and we had them delivered to the office and then we all took it in shifts to hand peel these things. <laughs> it took a week 
to hand peel 3,000 kilos of bergamot oranges. That sounds like one of a silly um, episode from uh, Brood, what's it? Brewmasters. Oh, I'll tell you what, man, it was torture. The, but the offer smelled amazing. Yeah, I could have it smelled amazing. Yeah. Um, and then we just put them into, we have got um, various production techniques that we use. And, and so actually, we added these dried bergamot oranges to the, to the brewing process at the cold end of, okay. of the process. And um, and they just gave this amazing sort of bergamot, it's sort of, um, I'm trying to describe it, it's sort of perfumed but not overpowering. So it's just, yes. it's got a lovely mouth coating, yeah, some aroma. It's, it, yeah. it's, it's one of these ones that I always find highly memorable. Um, uh, and yeah, it's just that, I think, over the last couple of years has been one of my favourites. Yeah, I, I, that's probably one of my, I'd say, yeah. top one, two, three of your beers. But it's, it's interesting to speak about the Earl Grey tea, because I don't drink a lot of Earl Grey tea, so now I need to, for my own palate, I need to go try some Earl Grey tea and then try some more white yeah. oak to kind of see if I can pick up on what it is. Oh, you'll de- I mean, you definitely will. Yes. It, it sometimes, I know I was always like, what the hell's bergamot? Um, but yeah. But as it happens, it was, it's this weird orange. They're very bitter. So uh, actually, we were going to try and do some of the, with, with the actual, you know, the... the the, the orange oh, yeah. itself, but but we couldn't, you know. I mean, you can make marmalade and stuff for them, but you know. Oh uh, yeah, of course, that would be the, this, that kind of marmalade type of flavour. That <laughs> makes sense. We'd have ended up with like half a ton of orange marmalade <laughs> that we just couldn't do anything with. So. Might find the university students <laughs> a big. I mean, university of Edinburgh is right on your doorstep. I mean, they might have picked up on a big time. Yeah, could have done. But I feel like you've broken that rule of yours one time. You speak about there's the simplicity of bringing one flavour coming yeah. through, and I've got this thing in my desk called the Fifty Shades of Green. Ah, uh, <laughs> I don't feel like you're sticking to your rules with that one. Well, we, yeah, I mean that was just an absolute gold-plated opportunity to have some fun. And, okay. Uh, you know, we had all this sort of fuss over this film, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and we we just thought, what what could we do to have a bit of fun with this? Yeah, yeah. And and actually, I mean, the idea behind the beer was a good one. Yeah. Um, Fifty Shades of Green. You know all these different hop varieties, and and you know let's see what happens. So it was probably uh, out there in terms of you know our sort of um, brewing approach. Yeah, um, and actually it's almost quite different to the stuff that you normally do. Very much so, yeah. But yeah. but I actually I mean, think the beer turned out quite well. It's really nice. Like yeah. for the life of me, I cannot spot the different. 50 hops, but it's a very nice drinking beer. Me neither. No, I mean, you can chug it, but I yes. mean... Unfortunately, it's not the cheapest of the range. It's not very cheap to make, you know. <laughs> I bought two bottles, I had one for taste, and the other one I'm just looking at, thinking about, whenever they have it. Oh, man. Well, you know, we, uh, you know I mean, 50 was, different hops in one beer. Yeah, I know. That was a killer to try and find those hops as well, man. Really? So, but, I mean, although, it's sort of, like, going back to, like, the flip side of that, this year, we've, we've actually, for the first time, to celebrate this 30 years in brewing, we've done a, a beer called Vintage. Um, yes, I saw a bottle. Have you? Yes. All oh, right, superb. So, I mean, this was always about um, that moment where, and, and only really a few people have had this because it's such a sort of, it's unique to Innocent Gun, standing in the warehouse, um, sampling from the barrel. Uh, it is just a unique experience. It's amazing. Like, uh, and they're all di- they're always all different. You see. Yes, that's the inspiration, Martin, because you're the only ones who get to sample the beers from the barrels. Yeah, and and so you taste it, and some you go, well, you know, it's not really matured much, and some go sour, whatever, two or three every batch. But, um, but you just get the most amazing flavour. Okay. When you t- when you draw beer from these oak casks, it yes. tastes and smells amazing, and. And that's why I always sort of said, God, wouldn't it be great someday to to have a beer in a bottle, which gives you that sort of amazing aroma and those, you know, that amazing flavour of the oak and um, 
And so we've been sort of scrambling around for a few years trying to work out how to do this okay. in a way which actually worked. Okay. Um, and, and and last year we cracked it, so we brewed it, and we've been maturing it now. I think it's it's approaching a hundred days old, which is when we plan to release it. But we've bottled this stuff on the yeast, so we've we've kept the whole so process on the yeast. So in, yeah. we've not filtered it; we've just centrifuged it, put it on the yeast, and it'll continue to mature in bottle. So the plan for this stuff is that we're releasing half now. We've done about five thousand cases, okay. and we're releasing two and a half and the rest we're just going to keep right. um, people can stick it in their cellar if they want because it will always keep maturing yes because it's on the yeast and like and some of those big Belgian beers the yeah. Trappist beers yeah exactly like that so yeah. um, so it's, it's a bit of an experiment a bit of a, a journey for us this one um, but yeah really exciting and um, I believe yeah. we are going to be bringing some down to South Africa although yes. I did a tasting yesterday up in Johannesburg and, and there were people were already starting to order it so oh really yeah. so you'll, you'll yeah. be keeping some aside for League of Beers absolutely sure. definitely Revenge. absolutely definitely <laughs> promise speak to, speak to Rowan <laughs> yeah, yeah no, he'll make it happen um then uh, a, a couple of thoughts. So I know. So the the the, the three of us are now going to Sommelier's um, event. Where you're going to be yep. speaking about, if I'm to understand it right, beer trends. Yeah. And what's happening in the beer industry. Yeah. Give me maybe two highlights at the top of your head that that you think are going to be happening in the beer world. Well, I think I mean there's very there's very much a sort of divide in in craft brewing at the moment. You know, there's the developed craft markets where you're beginning to see even the big players. Uh, market share eroding um, no matter how hard they innovate and how hard they they, they brew new variants and things like that yeah. um, and you know the, the sort of the lower level guys are sort of they're not really coming up I mean there's there's no one really building scale there's just more and more breweries coming in yeah um, and so I think that's a real challenge for the craft brewing scene in the, in the more developed craft beer markets um, a lot of the stuff coming in at the bottom end isn't very high quality um, and it all kind of tastes the same, which in an ironic way is exactly what craft beer was supposed to be about breaking down. Yes. Um, you know, it's about the breaking down this flavour monotony. Same thing, yeah. you know, we've got this in the developed markets now, we have total flavour mono- monotony. It's just all the same hoppy, high strength, high ABV sort of IPA. It all smells a bit like a grapefruit scented candle. Um, <laughs> and that's great, but. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's missing a little bit of diversity. Okay. Um, and then you've got um, markets um, where craft is beginning to take on. It's amazing. Um, you know, in particular, I mean, I've seen and tried some some beers around Johannesburg last couple of days. Uh, there, there's actually quite a lot of diversity here um, in terms of the flavour. And okay. Um, but you can really see that um, craft is beginning to to take on here. Pe- people are beginning to adopt it, and I think that's yeah. fantastic. For the industry and actually for the for the individual for the drinker because, um, you know I think for for so long, beer has been about only one thing which is the refreshment moment. So it's either yes. with sports or it's with your pals on a Friday night and you're chugging and and and, and it and, you know to sort of give you a wine equivalent it would be like saying there's only one uh, occasion to drink wine and that's the refreshment occasion. Yes. So the only wine you, you may only have a light on your blanc and nothing yeah. more or, or a prosecco <laughs> or something. That's yeah, it. Yeah. And, and you know, if you put it in, the, in that language, it's ridiculous. Yes. Given that there are so many other occasions to drink beer. Exactly, in so many that, ways, and um, so many ingredients, and so many things yeah. that you can do with it. Yeah, and so I think you know, from a consumer perspective, um, you know, I always encourage people just to try stuff because, you know, the whole, and you've all done it with wine, um, 
trying new things and you know, you'll find stuff you don't like but occasionally you'll find something you absolutely love yeah and and it's very much the same with craft beer and i think the challenge in the emerging markets is to make sure the emerging craft markets is to make sure that you know the guys have got access to the right materials the right sort of assistance and quality and because it is it is very much about quality it's not just about extremes and, and who can make the weirdest flavours but actually you want things that you can really genuinely fall in love with and go yes. I'm going to have this in yes. my fridge for the rest of my life yes um, and that like takes that a little bit of quality passionate moment which you yeah. can get with the beer yeah yeah. I mean passion it gets you so far but you do need that sort of attitude and approach and, and, and sort of attention to detail and yes. it's not a hobby um, no, it's it's actually an industry to make the beer that someone's going to get yeah. passionate about. That's going to live out your yeah. passion. It takes a lot yeah. of detail and hard work yeah. and precision. Yeah, I mean it's not to say you can't. I mean it's, it's it's the beer industry. It's a lot of fun, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know we have a great not time. a bunch of accountants. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, you know, do you know one of the best things about having, you know, leading a company and, and growing it from the ground up is you get to choose who you have in your business. So yes, you build I, your own team. I, so I only have fun, good fun, like up for it accountants in my business. I can't say that's true of every business, but, uh, but with us, it's most definitely true. You know, I like that. Um, okay, so let's let's make to close off two quick fire questions. Just uh, maybe get a bit deep, but as I say, a quick version of it. Let's go back to you say the, the year Innocent Gun launched. What year was that? 2002. Well, we launched in 2003. 2003. Okay, so let's go to 2002 around the time. You, did you get, when you had the idea, was that around 2002? Yeah, we discovered the, the, the process to make it in 2002. So. Okay, so if you were to go meet Dougal Sharp, or as you mentioned, the guy from earlier on Dougal Scheidt, the, the hotel you were at exactly. <laughs> um, if you were to go meet him uh, yourself now, what is the one piece of advice you'd give him for the next 14 years of his life? Go with it. Go with it. Just go with it. You know, I, th- I think the thing about, you know, when you start a business, um, it's, uh, you, you've just got to go for it. And, you know, it's not like, you know, there's, there isn't a rule book, there's no big book of answers. And, you know, sometimes that can be quite a scary place, but my God, I've had such a good time. <laughs> so either way, just go you for know, it and have a good time. You just have to go for it and accept that whatever you think is going to happen probably won't, or it'll yes. happen in a different way to what you dreamed, but that's okay. D- did you have that attitude at the time, or was that kind of developed over time? No, I've always kind of had that attitude. Okay, but I suppose it's got more so, because you've actually yeah. seen, well, yeah. go with it or don't. Well, it served me okay so far. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, uh, and if you were to give yourself a book to read at that day, what would you give yourself? Oh, God. Yeah, that's a killer question. No idea. <laughs> I, do you know, actually, I mean, I suppose the, like, the older I've become, you know, when you're, you know, I started a business at the age of 30, and you know, yeah. every 30-year-old thinks they know everything. And, yeah. Um, so I think looking back now, um, you know, with the benefit of maturity and stuff, you know, it's only now, or certainly, you realise how little you know. And, um, so I've been reading a lot of business books and sort of self-help books and sort of how to grow your emotional sort of intelligence. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I think that's, that's quite a good skill to have in business. And probably, I, probably, well, I did have it, but I think there's, nothing, there's no harm in keeping sort of uh, learning in business because, you know, the, the longer you go, the, the more you realise how little you know. Yes. Um, and I think being open to that is, uh, is, to is, learn, is, yeah. is a good, good quality. Makes a lot of sense. And I suppose that leads to that having a bit more fun because if you're learning stuff the whole time, you'll be having fun as well. Yeah. Well, you can't be disappointed if you're, if you're open to learn, right? Yeah. Okay. Nice. I like that. All right. Well, um, 
We've got many more Innocent Gun beers coming our way this year. Sure thing, yeah. Including some of the ones we've spoken about. Some myself yeah. and Ron have got planned already, and then there's all these even more special edition things that are coming yeah, our way. So. You're going you're gonna to sample some of them in that barbecue you were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Always the plan. Always find a good excuse to taste some more good beers. Yeah, so looking forward to it. Otherwise, thank you very much for coming through. Yeah, cheers, Looking buddy. forward to tasting more of your product later this year. Good to meet you, man. Good to meet you, yeah. Cheers. cheers. cheers.